Good morning. Welcome to North Bible Church. Thank you for being here with us this morning. My name is Troy Hawks, one of the pastors here on staff. I have the privilege of uh, opening up God's Word with you this morning to dig in and see what He has to say uh, to us today. But before we do that, um, we have some students that we need to release. Um, so this is, if you students would stand, uh, this is one of our traditions here at North Bible Church. We love to have families in worshiping together. Um, and we do it with the whole family on the first Sunday of the month, um, but with our students as well on the other Sundays. And we just encourage you, if you have a child that belongs to you um, near you, lay a hand on them. Um, if not, feel free to stretch out a hand towards our students and pray this blessing with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Father, we do lift up these students as they go to their classes. Father, we know that people in those rooms have been preparing and are prepared to sow words of truth and hope and life into their hearts today. And so we ask, Lord, that their hearts would be good soil, Father, that the seeds would go in deep, that they would grow a crop that produces love and truth and hope and righteousness in their lives. And we pray also for our time here together that your word would go forth. Uh, We know it never returns void, but we ask that you would produce fruit in our lives from it as well. We invite you uh, to speak. We open our ears, ask you to speak. We open our hearts, ask you to speak, Lord, from your word, through your spirit. And we ask it all in Christ's precious name. Amen. Be free. Do you see the tears on their faces that they're not staying? With us, yes. Summertime sadness. Um, We're in the third week of a series on community. Uh, And we've kind of titled it after Facebook and the idea of getting a friend request that, uh, sure, Facebook has a sense of community, but we're talking about something deeper here, um, that we're looking for something deeper than social media community. We're looking for true community. And we've been in this series for a couple of weeks now. The first week, uh, Pastor Larry uh, reminded us that we have been created to be in community. Uh, The fact that we were created in the image of God, as Genesis 1.26 tells us, uh, that, that God is a God of community, that he experiences community in and of himself in the Trinity, that we are created in his image, we also uh, have an inborn and in, uh, an innate need to be in community, both with God and with other people. And then the second week, last week, uh, Pastor Larry reminded us of our tendency to drift uh, and, and reminded us that in the Christian life, there, there's really no such thing as standing still, that you are either moving towards or moving away. And that's our experience of life and and faith, is that we find ourselves in seasons where either moving towards God and what God is doing, or we are drifting away. There really is no in-between. It's one or the other. So we've, we've looked at the importance of community, and we've looked at the danger of not being in community. And this week, we're going to look at community itself. Uh, And in particular, one critical aspect of community that is absolutely essential for us as Christians. 
you see, if this aspect of community is missing uh, from our life, uh, we'll see, we may not sense exactly what is missing, uh, but we will know that something is missing. It explains how it's possible to be with people all the time, to even be with people that you have a lot in common with, uh, but still have a sense that you are not really experiencing true community. You know, we don't always know exactly what it is that we're missing. I got a lesson in that the other day when I I went and borrowed a truck, and uh, it was a diesel truck. Now, uh, the last diesel I had driven had been built in 1998. This was a 2016, and apparently um, technology has progressed a little bit since 1998. I don't know if you noticed that or not. You might still have a Palm Pilot in your pocket. Um, but, but I'm driving along the road, and all of a sudden I get this notification on the dash that says my speed has been restricted to 65 miles an hour. I was on Shea Boulevard, so that was okay. Um, <laughs> But my speed had been restricted to 65 miles an hour, and then it told me why my speed had been restricted. It was because I was low on diesel exhaust fluid. I had no idea that diesel exhaust fluid even existed, not to mention that not having enough of it would impede my progress, would impede my ability to move and go where I wanted to go at the speed that I wanted to travel. And, and this essential part of community that we're going to talk about today is kind of the same way. Uh, you may not know that it's missing, uh, but the telltale sign is that your progress is impeded, uh, that you aren't moving in the direction that you want to be moving, and you certainly aren't going at the rate that you desire to go. And to look at this essential aspect of community, we're going to be in a very familiar passage uh, today, Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 through 47. It's kind of the quintessential passage on Christian community, uh, a model for us of what community should look like. And I hope that we're going to take a fresh look at it today, put new eyes on a very familiar passage, uh, and see what the Lord has to say to us today about community and what it should look like in our lives. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we, uh, we ask your presence here with us as we open your word. Uh, we pray that you would anoint your word to go forth uh, and produce fruit. Uh, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, is where we're going to pick up. But, but first, I do need to set the stage a little bit. Uh, we're reading out of the book of Acts, which the long title actually for the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. Basically, it's the Acts of what Jesus' followers, Jesus' disciples did after Jesus had sent them out on their mission. Uh, So in other words, Jesus has already um, been born. Uh, He's already lived his life and brought along his disciples. Uh, He's been crucified uh, for the sins of the world uh, to bring salvation to you and me Uh, to everyone who would receive him. Uh, And then he was raised again. Uh, He was resurrected and he appeared to his disciples, commissioning them uh, for the mission that he had, which was to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, in the book of Acts, we find Peter and the other disciples uh, waiting for this promised Holy Spirit that Jesus told them about. And so they're waiting in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to show up, and the Holy Spirit is what is going to empower them for the work of ministry that Jesus has set before them. And lo and behold, the Holy Spirit shows up 
uh, at the time of Pentecost, which was one of the Jewish festivals, the Jewish feasts. And uh, there are signs and wonders happening. Uh, men are speaking, uh, giving glory to God. And everyone that is there that is gathered from different areas that speak different dialects and different languages are all hearing them speak in their own language. Uh, a major miracle is taking place. And it's at that moment that Peter stands to speak. And fortunately, it's Holy Spirit Peter uh, and not foot in the mouth Peter um, that stands to speak. And, and he gives the sermon of his life as he's explaining to those that are gathered for the festival uh, that Jesus is the promised Messiah, uh, that he has died for their sins. And the crowd that's there, it says uh, that they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And so what takes place is probably uh, the biggest baptismal service that's ever taken place uh, in the history of the church, although with some mega churches now, maybe, maybe not, maybe Korea. Um, but it was, it was huge. Imagine 3,000 people, 3,000 people responding as a result of Peter's message. 3,000 people going under the water, dying with Christ and being raised to new life in him. And that's where we pick up our passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, And then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, there's a good chance, a good possibility, whether you've attended North Bible uh, for a long time or, or been in another church, that you've heard multiple uh, sermons on this passage. And what we want to focus in on uh, today is the two things that Luke says that the, uh, these new believers and the disciples devoted themselves to. And now, sometimes uh, people will, um, and it's all interpretation here as well, does it say that they devoted themselves to four things? The apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers? Or does it say that they devoted themselves to two things? Uh, the apostles' teaching uh, and uh, the fellowship. Well, it doesn't really matter all that much. Um, they're all contained together in what they were devoting themselves to. Um, but we're going to see that they, were, they devoted themselves first to the apostles' teaching. They had received Christ. Uh, they had believed that he was the Messiah. And now they came to the apostles, the disciples, who had proclaimed this truth to them and said, teach us, right? Tell us more. Show us what it means now to be a follower of this Messiah, Jesus. And secondly, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. 
which can be seen here as the breaking of bread and the prayers. Uh, That their fellowship consisted in breaking bread together, probably sharing a common meal. Also, uh, recognizing the Lord's Supper that had just been instituted, uh, you know, only weeks before that with Jesus and his followers. Uh, So they were breaking the bread and devoting themselves as well to prayer. Uh, Both prayer in the temple and also prayer in their homes as they gathered together to pray with one another, to pray for one another. But the key that we're going to focus in on today, the key to community that we're going to discuss today, is this word fellowship. Uh, It's basically the translation of the Greek word koinonia. Uh, This word is also translated in other places, sharing or participation. Uh, At its root, it has this idea of something in common, a a common thing that unites uh, the people. And so this common thing that unites them is Christ. And as a result of that, they are sharing things in common. They are in community with one another. Uh, John Loftus, uh, in writing about fellowship, writes this. He says, what is fellowship as defined in the New Testament? It's just this. It is participation in the life and truth made possible by the Holy Spirit. Fellowship is sharing something in common on the deepest level of human relationship. Our experience of God Himself. And that is what we see among these new believers, uh, along with the disciples, the apostles, here in this passage. uh, That they are sharing in the apostles' teaching. They're sharing the truth about Christ. And then they are participating together in the life that is brought out of that common bond. In many passages, uh, including my Bible, yours may have one as well, but there's there's kind of a header uh, up at the top of this passage. Uh, And in the ESV, it says, uh, the fellowship of the believers, which is a great description. I certainly wouldn't argue for whoever approved that. Um, (laughs) But it's a great description of what is happening here. But as we dive into this passage this morning today, uh, I would argue that another way to head this chapter, to head this passage, um, that gives us an idea of what was taking place in this community as they experienced this fellowship, would be this. Figuring it out together. Figuring it out together. Uh, that, That the fellowship that they enjoyed these new believers along with the disciples uh, took place in the context of figuring it out together. What do I mean by that? Well, as I was thinking about this passage this week, I pictured Peter uh, delivering this profound message and then (laughs) seeing the epic response. The disciples, the apostles, carrying out 3,000 baptisms and then them kind of all huddling together and going, okay, Um, We're kind of at the end of what we know how to do here. (laughs) We're used to like 12 of us or 70 of us sometimes, maybe more. Now we're talking about 3,000 new followers, 3,000 new disciples. How do we do this? What do we do? And at the same time, the 3,000 new believers are standing over here going, Hey, guys, 
When you get finished over there, we really need you to tell us, explain to us, what was it that Jesus said? What did he do? We need to know, how is it that we follow this new Messiah? And you were with him. You know. And so what did they do? They figured it out together. The disciples and the new believers, as they shared the common bond of Christ and were led by the Holy Spirit, they figured it out together. I can picture them throwing things out. Okay, remember when that guy asked him what the greatest commandment was? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think we really need to figure, I think we really need to focus on this love your neighbor thing and not just the love the Lord thing. That like, they're the same priority. We need to figure this out. And another one said, you're right. Remember? When we were all together shortly before he left, and he said, a new command I give you. That you love one another. And then another one piped up and said, and then he said, greater love. As long as we're talking about love and loving one another. Remember when he said, greater love has no one than this? That he lay down his life for his friends? I think we need to figure this out. How do we lay down our lives? How do we love one another? How do we enjoy this common bond and walk it out, live it out together? And that's what they did. In chapter, in verse 42, we see that their fellowship consisted of breaking of bread and prayers, those common meals, praying for each other, praying with each other. In verse 46, It says, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes together. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. And then going back to verses 44 and 45, it says, and all who believed were what? Together. And they had things in common. If you were one of the original readers, you would know that that word common comes from the same word as koinonia, the fellowship that they're enjoying means that they have things in common and included their possessions and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need they were united by what they shared in Christ they had a common vision and a common goal to walk it out as followers of Jesus as disciples and as those who would go forth and proclaim his truth they were participating together in fellowship Because that's what fellowship is. It's participating with one another through the common bond that we share. Enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And while that is what technically fellowship is, we see in this passage, I believe what Luke's point of this passage was, is that fellowship is where faith goes from talk to walk. That fellowship is where faith is given the opportunity to go from talk to walk. It's where we walk it out after we have 
talked it out. Fellowship is a means by which our faith goes from our head, or maybe it's already made it to the heart. But fellowship, walking it out together, helps it get from our head and our heart to our hands and our feet. At which point, John would have also reminded them, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Words that he would pen much later in life as a reminder of the focus of love. That it is not simply word or talk, but it is deed and truth. And so fellowship is a means by which our faith is able to go from our head and our heart to our hands and our feet, where our faith goes from merely talk to an actual walk. And they figured it out together. How to live it out. How to walk it out. And there were some difficult things to figure out. You know, like I imagine some guy probably came up to them and said, okay, was Jesus serious about that gouging your eye out thing? Because I have one that is definitely causing me to sin. And, and what did he mean about cutting off your hand if it causes you to sin? Because I definitely don't want to go with, to hell with two hands. If I could live out the life of Christ with only one. And as they figured it out, they fleshed it out. And they gave us the remainder of the New Testament. They gave us the commands that the Holy Spirit revealed to them about the practicality of faith going from talk to walk. And they wrote things like this, uh, many of which include the words, one another. Uh, so we already covered John 13, 34, that we should love one another, that we should be devoted to one another, that we should rejoice with one another, that we should weep with one another, that we should accept one another, that we should care for one another that we should serve one another, that we should bear one another's burdens, that we should forgive one another, that we should bear with one another, that we should teach and admonish each other, encourage one another, confess our sins to one another, and pray for one another. Just an abbreviated list of how the church figured out how to walk it out together. There are many more one another's that we are called to. But you can see from this list that it's impossible to one another anyone in isolation. That you have to be in community. That you have to be in fellowship in order to be able to care for one another. Our, our care from one another is birthed out of knowing one another. It results in a deep care and concern for our fellow believers. How can you bear one another's burdens unless you are in enough community 
for someone to share that burden with you? And how can you share your burden with someone else unless that common fellowship has already been established? Admonishing one another, encouraging one another, confessing our sins to one another. They all require a foundation, a fellowship, of life in common, of participation together so that we can share together in the life of Christ. And from there, from the one another's, they figured out how to walk it out outside of the community. They figured out how to walk out concern for the lost. Figured out how to walk out caring for the vulnerable in this world. They fleshed out concern for the poor. You know, I'm thinking of, remember Paul's amazing conversion from Saul to Paul, and then they heard that this former Saul guy who was persecuting Christians is now going out and proclaiming uh, the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and he finally met with some of the apostles, and, and they gave him the two thumbs up understanding that it was true, that this gospel that he had received was in fact the true gospel revealed to him from Jesus Christ. And they gave him the thumbs up and said, yes, you go to the Gentiles and we to the Jews. But don't forget to care for the poor. Don't forget it. It's essential. We've, we've fleshed this out. We've, we've gone through it. And there's one thing you can't forget alongside the gospel, and that's caring for the poor and the vulnerable and the weak. And so they fleshed out, and and we as a community, sharing our common bond in Christ, we gather and we say, how can we walk it out? How can we take our faith from what we talk about on Sunday mornings to what we walk out Sunday to Sunday. And because of the way the Holy Spirit has led within this body, we find ourselves sharing in those things. Sharing in how to feed the hungry. Oftentimes through Feed My Starving Children, through our food bank collections. We share that as a family through our common bond in Christ. The thirsty. What does it look like to give someone a cup of cold water in Jesus' name? And we follow the Holy Spirit's leading on that as well. And people join and people sign up and people go to Guatemala and give a week of their time and they drill a well and they enjoy fellowship with one another and fellowship with the people in the community at the same time. Because of what? Because of what we have in common. A common mindset, a common goal, a common foundation in Christ. Catherine Plum made it to church this morning, having just returned from Tanzania yesterday. And what was she doing over there? Caring for orphans. Coming alongside them, encouraging 
them. And not only that, but working to establish a palliative care unit for the poor who are dying and have no access to medical care. She's walking that out. She's participating in that. And because you're, a bo- you're part of this body, because of the fellowship that we share in Christ, you too are participating in that as you support the ministry of North Bible Church to provide medication for them, to provide rent for the building that is used for their care. And it's all done in the name of Jesus. And there have been women older than 90 years old receiving Christ through the love and the service that takes place there, and they won't be the last ones either. So we love one another, we serve one another, and then we walk it out in community. We walk it out in the world as we make sure that it's not just talk, but walk as well. You know, I was on Facebook the other day, which if you're ever looking for a really productive way to spend time, I would encourage you to check out Facebook. You know, the day I signed up, somebody said, welcome to the biggest time waster on the planet. And I wish I could tell you that he was wrong. Um, But I did see the other day um, online, you know, some things are handy, um, that apparently there's a new Bible translation that's recently been released. um, And it's called the Choose Your Own Adventure Bible. How many of you are familiar with the Choose Your Own Adventure books from our childhood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Choose Your Own Adventure Bible is kind of the same thing. You know, it puts you in the text, right? And you get to choose your own adventure. So whenever it comes to a critical point in the story, you know, like the baptism of the 3,000 and all the new believers and everything, and oh my gosh, what are they going to do? What are they going to do, right? They just gave their life to Jesus. Okay, what are they going to do? No, the question is, what are you going to do? And you might come to a page like, okay, So I have to let you know, there is no Choose Your Own Adventure Bible, okay? So those of you that are already starting an email to Zondervan for this heresy can just erase that email and go along with the story, okay, right? So now we're just imagining, right, if there was a Choose Your Own Adventure Bible and you were reading in Acts chapter 2 and you came to the end of the part, right, where all those people gave their lives to Christ and they got baptized, right? And you are one of those people. And now it comes to the end of the page, right? Okay. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Okay. Okay, down here at the bottom. If you want to stay at arm's length, turn to page 167. Because you might want to do that. If you want to live in a community of discipleship, sharing, and authenticity, turn to page 203. Now, page 203 is what we actually read already, right? Entering into a community of discipleship, sharing, and authenticity. But what would it look like if we rewrote Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, for those who chose page 167 to remain at arm's length? Well, I think it might read something like this. And they devoted themselves to nothing in particular, really. Uh, Eventually, everyone drifted away and did their own thing. 
and indifference came upon every soul because, well, something was still missing. And all who believed were going in different directions, holding on tightly to what was theirs. And they were collecting possessions and belongings and storing up as much as possible for themselves, avoiding anything overly generous for fear of enabling someone, or much worse, coming up short themselves. And once a week, maybe every two weeks, okay, sometimes three, they'd gather with their friends at the temple to sing some songs, to listen to a sermon, and occasionally grab lunch afterwards. It was cool. Typical Sunday stuff with periodic moments of longing for something more. And life went on. You know, sometimes that sounds a little too familiar. Because a lot of times we like to live life at an arm's length. But the reality is... That, that life is a little bit like a choose-your-own-adventure story. And more than likely, if you're here this morning, you had something like an Acts chapter 2 experience where you were cut to the heart, where the Holy Spirit came knocking on your door. And you said, what do I do? And someone said, repent. Be baptized. Devote yourself to the apostles' teaching. Devote yourself to the word. Devote yourself to fellowship. But as Larry reminded us, our tendency is to drift. Uh, That if we're not intentional, we often end up somewhere that we never intended to go. And then we wonder what's missing. We wonder why things aren't right. And it's a lot like fellowship, this koinonia, this participation together, this sharing together is is a lot like that diesel exhaust fluid. You might not know what it is that's missing, or you might not have known exactly what that thing looked like. But whether you're paying attention or not, it is slowing your progress. It is inhibiting you from where you really want to be. And let's just admit it, it's, it's where we really long to be. Uh, we long to be in real community. Uh, we long to know and be known. It's just that there's things that keep us from getting there. So I have a couple questions for you this morning. What? What's the DEF in your life? What's the diesel exhaust fluid in your life that's keeping you from going into real community? What is it? And then if you know what it is, you know, you can kind of name that thing. Well, it's fear. Or it's I just don't want to give any more of my time away. You know, I have too many demands on my time already. Whatever it is. I just want you to look at that thing and ask yourself, 
is that thing that's holding you back, is it for you? Or is it against you? And then secondly, if you're in community of sorts, what's keeping the community that you're in from true fellowship? What's keeping you from going deep as a group or as an individual? You know, Andy Stanley, very effective communicator out of Atlanta. I listen to a lot of his podcasts, and he has this saying, as a way of making things stick, but he says, in talking to single people, he says, are you becoming the type of person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Great question, right? Are you becoming the type of person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Well, I would rephrase that. Right? Are you the type of person that invites community? That makes going deep, that makes fellowship, real fellowship, like getting down. I think the words were um, struggling together, right? Grappling, struggling together. Are, are you becoming the type of person that invites that kind of real community, invites that kind of real fellowship? Are you becoming the type of person that the people that are looking for community are looking for? Or is there something that's holding you back from being that person? Maybe something that's holding your group back from being and enjoying that kind of fellowship. I'm going to leave these questions up for you. We're going to pray and uh, Aaron and the team are going to come up, and uh, I want you to take some time with these questions. Um, so they're going to play a little first that doesn't require your participation. Actually, do they have to participate at all if they don't want to? Can they spend the whole time praying? Sure. Okay, Aaron's okay if you want to spend the whole time praying. Just thought we'd get it from him, you know, you don't want him feeling bad. No. But really sit with these things for a few minutes. And ask yourself, what is keeping me from that type of community that I know I long for? And is that thing for me or against me? And finally, what might be keeping your group, your community, from experiencing true, deep, meaningful relationship? Oh, I'm going to pray. You can't do that while you're walking, so I'm going to stop. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that as you used it, as Peter preached it in Acts chapter 2, that so often you use it to, to just cut to the heart, Lord. So, Father, I, I pray for those of us who have been cut to the heart this morning about our need for community, our, our desire for that type of fellowship, Lord, that you would reveal things to us. Um, and as you do, that we would turn them over to you and ask uh, for your Holy Spirit to empower us to push through, to break through, that as we sang earlier, that you are a chain breaker, 
and some of us just need to be freed up from those things that are holding us back. And so we take some time now to lift those things to you. And we just pray your Holy Spirit's presence over this time in Jesus' name. Amen.